ready. It's time for your weekly dose of Wayne's Comics. Welcome to episode 228 of the Wayne's Comics Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. This week I've got a great interview with John Santana from Iron Age Productions. He's doing a book called Jaded, which takes a different spin and a different look at superheroes than I'm used to. And I like that quite a lot. It's always fun to go in a place I haven't been before as far as comics go. We get into a very interesting discussion about what makes a hero. And it's something I think that is really important for us to discuss these days, given how our society is moving. So it was a great discussion with that. And we also get into his various comics, which includes Jaded, Bejaded, which is a webcomic based on the book very loosely, and also Wordsmith and Everhounds, other projects that he's working on. He's a very creative guy and got a lot of good things going on. So I'm sure you're going to want to hear what he has to say. There's a lot to get to, so let's get on with the show. to the podcast, John Santana from Iron Age Productions, the creator of a great book called Jaded, which I picked up one, two, and three at C2E2. It's got other things in the works as well. How are you doing today, John? I'm doing good, Wayne. How are you? Good. It's good to talk with you because I read the three books and I really love them. And it's something different than what I'm used to reading. And of course, I've been reading superhero comics forever. So to see something different is always a pleasure. Well, I'm glad you think that. That means a lot. Thank you. Now, the thing that's fascinating to me is in the first issue, it's called Jaded, and there's a subtitle that says, There's No Such Thing as Heroes. And that's not something I expect to see on many superhero comics. <laughs> Do you want to talk a little bit about that concept? Sure, and, sure. Uh, um, well, you've read them, and <laughs> you see that there's a heavy-handed nod to a lot of other superheroes that are in comics. I'm, I'm sure you've noticed. Oh, yeah. That's done on purpose. And my philosophy for this book in particular is... I just don't think that Spider-Man or Superman or even Batman would exist in real life. And it's not because there's no multimillionaire willing to do the training it takes to put on a cowl. And it's not because a radioactive spider bite can't really give you the strength proportion to a spider. And it's not because there's no aliens landing on Earth. I think it's because inherently people just aren't that good to be that altruistic at all times. That's my perspective. And I've personally been jaded, I think, and I struggle with feeling that way, especially in my profession. I am a soldier, and I do hold myself to a certain standard, and I hold other soldiers and people in uniforms that are given that label, quote-unquote hero. Uh, I hold them to a standard. And listen, I believe in heroes. I know that they're out there, but I don't think it's fair 
for people to say, hey, thank you for your service if they see me in uniform and, and label me a hero because I don't think I've done anything to deserve it. I sure would like to, but I've just, in my 17 years of service, I've never been put in a position to test myself to see if I earned that. So I have a very different perspective, I think, on that word and what it takes to be somebody like that. And it's not going to take a random like I said, radioactive spider bite to turn somebody into a hero. I think it takes a lot more than that. So I've taken these superhero tropes and I take them at face value at first. And then in these jaded comics, I put their lives to the ring or I do something terrible in their lives because everybody goes through tough times in real life. Everybody goes through something terrible. And if we had a level of power like those guys, would we just sit back and let things happen to us? Or would we maybe do something a little disturbing with that mm-hmm. power. That's mm-hmm. the way I'd like to look at it. Well, this gives me all kinds of questions to ask you. Number one, what in your opinion makes a hero then? See, that's a question that I have not answered for myself. Okay. I will say that I can look to the people who were there, the first responders, and it's not just the cops and firemen. There were regular plainclothes people that went and helped people on 9-11. Mm-hmm. that went into that building. Those people are heroes, but not everybody did. Not every firefighter and police officer did, although the majority of them did, but not everyone did. And many civilians just ran away and in some cases probably ran over other people who had fallen. So it takes a certain kind of person. I haven't seen it up close and personal myself, and I've been given opportunities. I know a lot of soldiers who want to be, who strive to be that, and I, I like to believe that I do too. But I haven't seen anything personally like something like 9-11 up front, up close and personal to see it in action. So I just don't know yet until I see it myself. See, it's funny to me because I prefer DC Comics because their heroes are much more altruistic, shall we say. They're iconic. You know, Wonder Woman is a warrior and Batman, he does things because he wants to prevent people from going through what he's gone through. Superman is ultimately a very moral person. I prefer them to Marvel because Marvel, and it's not that they're more heroic or less heroic, it's that they deal with everyday problems like the common cold. Spider-Man gets a cold. Right, right. You know, Invisible Woman has a bad hair day you know those kind right, of things right. happen some kind of stuff well, I, yeah so, i get that i think dc comics the model there is just mythos they're very much like the greek gods the roman gods and sometimes i feel like that that perspective can be a little out of touch with a reader and that's not everybody I, hey i'm a comic fan i'm not a dc fan or a marvel fan i love comics i read comics and i can get into anything i can read wonder woman and enjoy it it all depends on the writing and the art but having said that I feel like, and let's use DC Comics as an example. If that's comics, then we're talking about people that can't exist because from my perspective, just like that subtitle, there's no such thing as heroes. At least, I mean, if there was a sub-subtitle, it would be until it's proven to me, Mm -hmm. like from this person's point of view. And that's where I'm writing it from. Right. Well, I, from my perspective, I'm never going to be an alien who's invulnerable. Right. <laughs> you know, I'm never going to be a warrior from Themyscira. I'm never going to, I'm never, I hope not, I'm never going to be bitten by a radioactive spider. See, this is the lure of comics to me is always kind of interesting. We want adventure. Let's face it, our lives are sort of melancholy and ho-hum every day. We kind of do the same thing. Now, yours is probably a little more interesting than, say, the rest of us who work in offices or things like that. But we want to see things that are different from our lives. We want to see people go through struggles and come through somehow. Right. 
And it's interesting because, you know, like the DC movies, the Batman versus Superman is supposed to be much more realistic than, say, you know, the Christopher Reeve one was, Superman was. So we're going in this direction that's a darker direction. Does that appeal to you more? Do you prefer more the kind of Superman and Batman, you know, the Adam West Batman versus the Ben Affleck Batman? Well, that's a good question. I mean, I, I got to say I would prefer the darker, more realistic stuff because, I mean, I would like to see in my entertainment, I would like to... I see what I think is interesting is when I see somebody come through a struggle and make it through the other end of that struggle and continue to persevere. Like that's the hard part. That's mm-hmm. so difficult and not everybody can do it. And so when a hero does it day in and day out, and it's just always a voice scout and it's just trope and it's a given to me, it rings less true to real life. And in jaded, I, what I do is I take the characters who think their lives are like that. They think that everything's going to be honky dory and they're going to catch every bad guy and put them behind bars. And then that's not the way their life turns out. And I'm not saying that now they're going to be horrible people for the rest of their lives. I'm saying they're going to go through some stuff. Their lives are going to reflect it. And eventually they're going to have to make a decision. Do I, with all this power that I have, go down a dark path? Or do I try to be who I used to be and keep my head up and be just this altruistic person that everybody can look up to? See, that's unique in comics because in most comics, you don't see characters. We saw Hal Jordan, for example. He got turned into Parallax from Green Lantern. He was a villain. And this whole group rose up in support of making him a hero again and all this stuff. And we didn't, people now are sort of like, oh, well, you know, that really never happened as far as we're concerned. We didn't see him go through that. Heroes are heroes. And it's funny to me to see that. That's why your books are so unique to me and really something very different is you do take them down those darker paths. And we, you know, basically because they're your stories and they're not people or heroes that we're going to see on underwear probably. And we're not going to see, you know, selling, uh, we're not going to see your, your symbols basically all over it. So you can do whatever you want with your characters. You can make them go down a dark path. And because you are who you are and your books are what they are, we don't know what you're going to do. And to be honest with you, with most comics, what I like to call the galactic reset button happens. Batman's got to go back to where he was mostly at some point so that somebody else can pick it up and carry it on and sell the books so that they right. can make movies and stuff like that. But your books, you don't have to do that. You have a lot of freedom. And I hope to continue that freedom. I, if all goes well, and let's say Jaded does great, and I end up getting through the diamond selling nationally, and all goes well, I don't want to then just make Jaded forever. I can't. This is a story that has a beginning, middle, and an ending. And I know what those story beats are. And I don't want to change that just because of popularity. There will be characters that I can do spinoffs and continuing stories to a point. But what I love about independent comics is the ability to tell a complete story, tell your tale, and then move on and be satisfied with it. Because I get my fill of episodic, never-ending superhero and other stories Mm -hmm. from the big two and even image comics like i love invincible invincible was great and that lasted i mean is that still going (laughs) i actually it it is yeah i mean he's actually off planet now he and his his wife and his daughter went off planet i kind of figure he kind of ran out of things to do on earth so they're off a planet and he's done a time jump in the most recent book where uh, off goes Invincible someplace, and he doesn't come back until it's two years later. Oh, cool. See, I like Invincible. I like that. But I feel like eventually, like you said, they're running out of things to do on Earth. Eventually, every hero, the more issues you do, 
if they don't have a complete story, you're going to end up with that problem. So, I mean, I have so many stories to tell. I want to tell this one and then put it on the shelf and move on to something else. So how did you get into this? I mean, you're obviously a comic reader, and what motivated you? Is it because you didn't see this happening in other comics that you decided you wanted to make it happen yourself? Yeah, it's funny you say that because I came up with this idea a long time ago. I want to say 2010 is when I came up with the idea for Jaded, and I wrote the short story that led me to write the comic book. And it was before I had heard of anything, which I get all the time when I'm talking about the story, is irredeemable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't read it. And I started working on Jaded, and then I read the first couple issues, and I immediately wanted to stop reading it because I'm like, this is going to influence me. And I mm. see why people are comparing this, but at the end of the day, I feel like Irredeemable, and again, I haven't read too many issues of Irredeemable. Irredeemable is Superman that has gone too far, and like the title says, it has become irredeemable. Well, mm-hmm. my question on all of my characters, whether it's the Superman type of power set character like Sovereign, or mm-hmm. the Spider-Man type of power set like Kid Prodigy, is that's the question. Can they be redeemed? Can somebody who does what they do still recover from that? And mm-hmm. can they still be looked at as a hero in the end? Mm-hmm. So That's something you're going to answer, hopefully, yes. uh, to some degree, right. as you go through. Now, cause it, you've got six issues in this miniseries. Yes, I do. I and as you see in the first three, each one focuses on a separate character, so... And the fourth issue will focus on the last character that I haven't focused on yet, and that's Etheria. After those four issues, what I do like, like a quote-unquote jaded origin, like what happens in their lives that kind of sets them apart and kind of makes them do things differently than when they were younger, I'm going to wrap up the whole story in five and six. So I'm going to do a two-parter. The first issue is really Adam Sovereign. There's just two stories. There's how he became jaded, the backstory, the past when he was younger. Something happens to him that sparked a different way of thinking for him. Eventually, it sends him off planet. And you've got these other characters who are on Earth who can monitor him while he's in space. And they see all these things that he's doing, and they're judging him and thinking of them as atrocities without talking to him or without knowing anything else about it but seeing images. And they know he's on his way back. So that's Mm. the subplot. Adam is returning. So as you read Jaded, numbers one, two, three, four, I hope that the readers just remember that Adam is coming back. Mm. As everybody is dealing with remembering what happened in their past and dealing with their present, everybody's going to have to make a decision when he comes back because he is the most powerful being on Earth. Mm. And we don't know if he means to do good or if he means to do what he's done to other planets. Mm. Now, before I forget... I have to ask, because there's another thing that's somewhat similar along these lines as far as Superman goes. Okay. Have you ever read Injustice or played the video game? I have, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, because you also know that that one is another, some of the most interesting stuff that with Superman I've read in a long time is going on in there. And, of course, you know what happens. Right? It, yes. It's at the beginning of stuff. You know, Everybody pretty much knows that it was the Joker killed Lois Lane, and that turned Superman into a uh, right. somebody who would not allow other people to do things like that. Right. So it's fascinating to me, though. But see, this does tie into your unique perspective on this. As somebody of the military and somebody who is, you know, especially now with people in authority, are not looked well upon. Right. And I... I see that as a problem from both sides. I can't really take one side or the other because I've seen people in in different kinds of uniform do horrible. I mean, everybody's human. And just because you wear a uniform doesn't make you a good person. Although I believe that at some point, everybody who puts on a uniform had the intention in their lives to be good and do good. 
And mm-hmm. something happens along the way that leads people kind of, all right, well, I'm going to cut some corners even though I'm wearing a uniform. And I, I've seen it in person. But I've also seen people who, no matter what, they will hold their head up and they will try at least to do good. Mm-hmm. Now, in your first issue, Sovereign has something happen to him, which I, you know, I've never seen in the comics before, so I was really intrigued by it. We can talk about it. I, think okay. I don't worry about spoilers because my comic is not really out there yet, and I'm hoping to get people to read it, and I have other issues. So we can talk uh, in depth. So talk about that. I mean, where did you come up with the concept? Basically, he's facing somebody who wants to commit suicide, yeah. and he's trying to talk him out of it. Right. He's trying to talk him out of jumping, but not for the right reason. Instead mm-hmm. of talking somebody out of jumping so that they save their life, he's just got so much on his plate being mm-hmm. the superhero of Metro City. He's putting out fires literally and figuratively all over the city at the same time. And because of his super speed, he's able to keep coming back for seconds at a time to just mm-hmm. say, wait, hold on one second. Stop what you're doing because it's just going to cause more paperwork for me. And this is too much. And I can't handle you right now because I'm moving at such a high rate of speed that if I mm-hmm. pick you up and take you down, it'll break your neck. Mm-hmm. So I just need to stall you. Mm-hmm. And just a fascinating way to look at that because Superman would stand there basically and talk with him as long as it took. But instead what's happening with him is his priorities are such he's seeing a bigger picture yes. than Superman does. And so because of that, he looks at things differently. And you're right. He's, in some levels, he's not seeing the human element. Right. It's almost, it's almost a statistic. It's almost like he's like, listen, I got this whole list of things. And this is where you are on the list. And I hope I can save your life. But if not, man. And it's on you. Mm, mm. See, that's different. I haven't read a super character doing that. Irredeemable didn't do anything like that. You know, right. and th- uh, he did other things. This guy, Sovereign, believes himself to be good doing the right thing, but this is how he goes about it, like a job. Mm-hmm. And that, that's, you have to figure somebody like that who's doing this for as long as he has been, he's got to get, as, as you like to call it, jaded at some point. Right. He's got so many different things to be done. How does he prioritize and if he can't prioritize if everybody's basically equal which is the way that people kind of look at it these days there's nobody that's more important than the other right he's got to do everything right so he's he can't he's already there mentally he's already at the point where he's starting to care less and less and mm-hmm. what happens with this doctor character is without getting into the details of how it happens mm-hmm. the doctor figures out a way to use sovereign to commit the suicide mm-hmm. and when he does that he stops and realizes what just happened. Mm. And that just starts off a sense of fury and senselessness in Sovereign so that, you know, in subsequent issues we'll see, he just loses his connection with humanity altogether. Or at least he, he feels like he's lost it and he wants to get it back. But the fact that somebody would use him in order to do something like take their own life when it's his job to save theirs, it, it, he, he finds it offensive. See, this is the perfect number one book for this miniseries, in my mind. It sets the whole rest of the thing up. If Sovereign is affected this way, how are the other heroes going to be affected when they're faced with the same situation? Because, you know, you've got, like in the second book, you have a different character with different powers. Right. Dealing with stuff. And this is Kid Prodigy. Do you want to talk about him a little bit? Sure. I love Kid Prodigy. Kid Prodigy is so fun to me because uh, he came off of, uh, like I said before, I, I'm basing these on character archetypes that we see in comics. So this one, I'll 
easily say is based on Spider-Man. And I mm-hmm. thought, okay, if I'm reinventing the idea of Spider-Man, and we're talking about a kid who uh, works with science, is very into science, what could he actually build that can do something like Spider-Man's powers? We're not going to swing. We're not going to come up with everything all over again. And I thought, you know, it would be cool if he manipulated electromagnets to allow him to repel and pull himself towards large metal objects like the structures, the beams inside buildings. He could sort of stick to walls, and that could be fun. But that's the limit of his real connection with Spider-Man. After that, he just glides. He's got a sort of mini squirrel suit or a base jumping suit, and he uses parkour and everything. So in terms of power set, a lot of fun to write. Little tiny version of Magneto's powers in a very, very close quarters. He can maybe pull a television set towards him or throw it, but that's about it. Well, I have to say, the writing... Especially in issue two, really got me the dialogue. The very first thing you read on the first page, it says, I didn't always have the nightmares. That grabbed me. I have to say, I was like, nightmares? How would a superhero have a nightmares? And then he goes on and explains. See, he's in a different place at the beginning of his book than Sovereign was right. at issue one. Right. And I like the way that you did that. Every book's not identical, thankfully. And you've, you've done a really good job of showing us that he was someplace else, but this is where he is now. Good. I'm glad you got that. Oh. I love that. I just thought that was the greatest thing. Because I love number one. A lot of comic book people fall into the trap of making every issue the same. Well, I feel like these are such different characters from each other. And I feel like in humanity, in all walks of life, there's different people who have different opportunities to do something good and different things that bring them down. I mean, one person's life, it could be cancer. Another person's life, it could be a car accident that kills their child. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Two different things that could really ruin a person's life and change them. So Mm -hmm. I figured that the comics should be written differently. I thought that the pacing should be different. I thought that maybe even the style of writing should be different. Why not? They're different people. I wish other people thought that way. (laughs) Because there are some books I read, you know, after like four or five issues in, I'm going like, I've read this book before. And that's a sad thing. But that issue two was different on many levels from issue one, but the same concept is going on. We're examining, you know, what what happens to these people. Right. And issue three, of course, the last one I've gotten has to do with somebody by the name of Grady O'Connell. Yes. And he's a speedster. There's a million speedsters, to be frank. But you do something different in the sense that you've got a father-son relationship going on there. Yes. Which I like, because you don't see that in speedsters very often. So it's a father-son relationship. They have the same power set, and the father is trying to teach the son how to use his powers. And what I've never seen in any speedster comic, and I'll stand by this because I've read a lot of them, is – have you watched the Flash TV show, for example? Oh, yeah. Okay, so I really really like the show. But I was just watching one of the recent episodes where Barry's talking about getting faster and faster, and they want to mathematically figure out how he can run faster. And what goes in my mind is, that's great. I drive a Ford Fusion right now, and you put me – in a race car and expect me to be able to handle that car just because it moves faster? I can't do it. I haven't had the training. I don't think that fast. I don't think fast enough. So I feel like speedsters, number one priority would be training their brains, not their bodies, because you can move really fast, but if you cannot perceive what is happening around you, how could you possibly navigate? That's why I always wonder, if somebody's a speedster, how can they run through a city if they're going faster than their perception is, won't they run into a building? Exactly. So the father's perspective, Grady's father's name is – he's got a superhero named Tempo. Grady doesn't even have one. He's the sidekick right now. He's in training. So his name's Grady. And his father's trying to teach him, listen, you're only as fast as you can think. You're basically unlimited physically in your speed, but you've got to figure out how to get there mentally. 
Mm-hmm. So that's why the theme of that book is think fast. You just got to learn to think fast, think fast. Mm-hmm. Well, again, it's different from the other two. You know, it's something very different. And the father-son relationship, I always find that so interesting. There's a lot of comics these days. Look at the father-son relationship, and yours takes it from a different perspective from the other ones that I've read. You know, which I really liked. I like the fact that he's trying to teach the son whose perspectives on things is so different from his, trying to show him how to do. And of course. It, Things don't end well. Let's just say that. We won't go beyond. We won't spoil any more than that. But it's a fascinating study. Did you, by any chance, base this on your relationship with your father? Um, it's funny. Yes, I, I don't think I did. Okay. I I love my dad. I don't talk to him a lot and everything. But this particular pair, this father and son, they really love each other, and the love goes back and forth. I say that this is more based on my relationship with my son. I would say, because my son had a lot of separation anxiety thrown the military training that I've had over the years, and especially when I went to Afghanistan. And I don't see in comics or even in entertainment, you'll see uh, the unrequited love, whether that's romantically or between siblings or father and son or, or mother and daughter. So you don't often see that true love. And so I wanted to write that. I wanted to write, you know, my books are dark, but that doesn't mean that you know, everything has to be horrible. So you got this dad that loves his kid and this kid that loves his dad, and they they get to work together. How cool is that? And they love what they do. Oftentimes in movies, entertainment, you'll have the son that doesn't want to disappoint his dad or the dad that just doesn't think that the son is good enough or the the dad that was trying to earn the son's love and the son, he's too smart for dad and doesn't want to be dealt with anymore. But I wanted to do something where, man, these two just get along and, and everything is really, really good for those two. And just see how those two can operate together. And I think that that was important because it builds trust back and forth and it allows the son in this case to really take what his father says and try to apply it to his Mm -hmm. power set. And of course, you don't tell us exactly what happens at the end of the book. We get a fair idea, but obviously this is going to come together in issues number five and six. Yes, I do that a lot. I leave leave cliffhangers and then I think what may infuriate readers – and I hate to say I hope it does. Um, I leave you on a cliffhanger on issue one, but I don't start off on issue two with the resolution of that cliffhanger. I just left mm-hmm. three cliffhangers in a row in issues mm-hmm. one, two, three, because I do want to keep you coming back for more. But I also want you to learn about these other characters that I really love and I want to introduce mm-hmm. you to. Now, OK, we've gotten up to issue number three. How is issue number four come along? Because, you know, obviously you're a busy guy. I am busy How's and I'm working on other projects as well. Number four, we sort of put a hold. The issue's written. I don't have Jimbo drawing it right now because we're in the stage of, okay, we've got a really great product. It's time to get it out there to the world. Mm-hmm. I think it'll be better served to get the book out there and get a sense of timing so we can finish it properly. So mm-hmm. it's written. I know what's going to happen in the story. Jimbo loves it. I mean, Jimbo has been getting more and more excited with each issue, and he absolutely loved issue three. Um, mm. And he he just can't wait to draw issue four. I'm like, Jimbo, you know, this stuff takes time and it takes money sometimes. Mm-hmm, Let's just mm-hmm. take a little bit of a break while we get the first issue out because we've got a three-month lead right now. Mm-hmm. So issue four is about Etheria, and I love that character. Let me just mm. picture this way. She is a combination of Invisible Woman and Shadow Cat. So she's mm-hmm. essentially like a ghost. And I thought nobody has, especially with Shadow Cat, I don't think her power set has really been tapped with the potential that it has. It can be really dangerous, and you can go really dark with Mm -hmm. the ability to be anywhere at any time without anybody stopping you. I mean, think about it, especially now with the added layer of invisibility. 
if she was a creep, she could just walk right into Barack Obama's bedroom and watch him and Michelle sleep. She has that capability. So she essentially, if she has access to the most powerful people in the world, politically or power wise, therefore, she must be one of the most powerful people in the world. And so I'm going to treat her as if, at least in the beginning, she's somebody with that power that doesn't even realize yet mm. that she has that level of power and will slowly come to realize, wait a second, people have been holding me down because I'm a young girl. People have been not looking at me because I've been invisible my whole life. But wait, I can use that to my advantage. And I have got this incredible power. And because it doesn't make big explosions and it doesn't knock people out, people don't take me seriously. Well, watch what I can do. Wow. So when does it come? <laughs> <laughs> Let's focus on issue number one. Once I get a release date on issue number one, I can right. definitively say when issue number four will be ready. Okay. Okay. So that's something we can talk about in the future, which yes. I'm looking forward to some of that. So anyway, you've got six issues. You you basically sounds like you know what's going to happen in the, in the three issues you have to go. Yes. Pretty much. So we can count that. So this is what so – I like it when somebody knows where they're going – if somebody comes and says, well, I don't know where I'm going, I'm going to figure it out later, you can sense that in the writing. There's this lack of direction. Yeah, you can, agreed. Like with you, I, I could feel that you're going someplace, which I really like. I think that's such a wonderful thing. Well, I so, come from, even though I've read comics my whole life, I come from a screenwriting background. I went to uh, hmm. film school at SUNY Purchase, the Theater Arts and Film Conservatory, and I loved it. I did really well there, and uh, I was ready to go to Hollywood. And then life happened, and uh, I had a family a little early, and uh, mm-hmm. I loved my family. wouldn't change anything, but I wasn't able to pursue that career. But I've been trained beginning, middle, and end. Complete story, beginning, middle, and end. So mm-hmm. that's how I think. Yeah. See, that's where Jeff Johns came from. Jeff Johns was a movie yes, person. Yes, yep, he was. And he has that, too. Just like you do, he likes to end comics with cliffhangers. Yeah. In other words, bring people back next time. Yeah. Don't give them a happy ending so they don't need to come back. You know, cliffhanger them so that they need to come back. Yeah. Actually, I learned a lot from Jeff Johns. Uh, first of all, I read his comics. And I love it. But he did an interview on a podcast with Kevin Smith on Fat Man on Batman. And mm-hmm. he had dropped a piece of writing knowledge that I never heard anybody talk about. Mm-hmm. And that is specific to the comics medium. And that is thinking about when you're physically turning the pages when you see that splash page. Like how you can build suspense by the turn of the actual page and what you see when you turn that page. And I heard that podcast after I'd written number one. If you look at number one, my splash page is on page five. Jeff Johns was saying, if you put a splash page on page five, somebody's going to turn the page and they're going to see that. Their eyes are going to be drawn to it and they're going to skip ahead and you've lost them. Mm. So if you want a single splash page, it should be on the left side. So you turn it and bam, it's right there. Or if you're going to turn the page to a double page spread, you can do that. And you see that I did that in issue number three on a double page spread. You turn to two and three. Just little technical choices that you have as a writer. I picked that up from him and I thought that that was really well done. And I went back and I looked at Batman Year One and I looked at everything he did. I'm like, he does it every time. It's mm-hmm. such a great tool. Mm-hmm. I've got to tell you something. He's my holy grail as far as interviewing people on the podcast. <laughs> I've tried three or four times trying to get to talk to him. And I said, I'll even take five minutes if I can get it. But he's just too busy, <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah. And so I'll, sometime I'll get to talk. But anyway, well, that's good to know. You, you could do worse than to learn from Jeff Johns. That's for sure. Yes, absolutely. Okay. So anyway, that book is going on. And you've got also another book that I'm fascinated by called Everhounds. Yes, Everhounds. I'm working right now with Ray Bermudez. He's doing our zero issue or our one shot. Ray mm-hmm. just won the Gasly Award for Horror and Comics. Uh, mm. He did Ex Mortis with four fifty one comics. Mm-hmm. That's uh, that's actually 
Oh, what's his name? The guy that did all the transform Michael Bay. That's that's his comics imprint. I don't know if people know that. Mm. Anyway, yeah, he did Ex Mortis, which is like a band of rogue 1950s horror monsters in World War II fighting Nazis. It's wacky. It's really crazy and fun. But anyway, Ray's doing number zero for us, our one shot, and it's our introduction to the Abrahams universe. And then Emil Caboltieri is going to pick up the chores from then on. He did that cover. He did that piece that you saw on my website or if you mm-hmm. saw it there or if you, maybe you saw it in the ad at the back of the comic. So basically, mm-hmm. Abrahams, in a nutshell, is they're bounty hunters that mm-hmm. travel through time and other dimensions mm-hmm. to be able to locate, for a price, anyone, anywhere, anywhere, as long as it's not in their timeline. They do not want to mm-hmm. screw up their own timeline because they're selfish and they're afraid of what's going to happen to them. But Ooh. they will happily mess up other people's timelines for money. <laughs> well, I like that the fact that there's steampunk involved with this, too. Oh, yeah. It's definitely got a steampunk twist. And it's not just like the whole world is steampunk. That one character, Millennium Man, looks like that because he is the last survivor of Earth on another dimension, um, and he came to our dimension, and he's helping these guys look for the guy who created the technology that allows them to, to travel back and forth, who's not a good guy. It is, let's just leave it at that. Now, the question you probably don't want to be asked at this point, any idea when that's going to hit? Emil's in the process of drawing it right now. I'd give him a month for that to be done. After that month, let's see, I'm going to submit this. I would say July. Okay. July is a good date to expect Abraham's number one. Okay. That's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, look at it this way. These guys, for money, they would go into another dimension. And if for any reason you wanted to own your own personal Abraham Lincoln to do whatever you wanted with, they'll go get him for you. Hmm. They don't care what happens to your timeline. So they would give me Jeff Johns to interview. They would get you Jeff Johns. <laughs> you can cut his head off if you wanted. They don't care. No, 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 no. I'd rather interview him than do that. Right, yeah. right. Now, you've got two other things I want to talk about real quickly. Yeah. You've got Wordsmith going on. I love the description on your website. It starts out with a great first sentence. Alan Poe is the world's worst poet. Yes. Alan Poe. I like that. That is a passion project of mine. I actually had a – I have almost all the art done on that already. I just need to find a fill-in artist. Some personal tragedy happened to the family of the artist that was working on it. His name is Jonathan White. Great guy, but he just doesn't have – any time for art anymore. He sketches and everything, but he's got to focus on his family. So I have to have somebody finish that book. I'm only five pages away, and I'm really excited about that one. Yeah, he's the world's worst poet who realizes one day that all his crazy terminology, all the verbiage that comes to him in his dreams, that all sounds like nonsense that he would never actually put in a poem. Uh, he, He speaks it aloud in the right situation, something happens, something magic coming from the dark magic side, and he doesn't know how to control it. So this will be the story of basically somebody who learns how to write a spell book in reverse. So he will be reverse engineering spells by just trial and error throughout his life. Okay, so you're, you're five pages, you're working on the last five, so yeah. it, it'll be a while before that actually becomes good. Yes. Because that's an interesting concept, too. I like that concept as well. And the other thing I wanted to talk about was you have a strip, a comic strip that ha- it's on your website. Yes. It, it's called Bejaded. Yes, it's called Bejaded. <laughs> and, uh, There's I, a good reason for that, it sounds like. Yeah. See, that comic strip features myself as a character dealing with the jaded characters giving me crap all day, every day. Just making my life hell, mostly because they represent different parts of me and what goes through my mind. There's one where Kid Prodigy is just like this little annoying kid on a long road trip who won't stop asking questions. And he's asking questions like, um, so can I, when am I going to have a movie? And I'm like, stop, no. 
And he's like, um, when are we going to have a sideshow collectible format figure of me? And I'm like, no, not going to happen right now. And he's like, what about a themed restaurant? <laughs> Just stop right there. But the funny part is that comes from, you know, where I see these characters and their potential. And uh, I just have fun with it. And uh, So they, they breathe. They live to you. Basically. They do. They do. And this is also the fun side of the Jaded characters, which you don't get to see much of in Jaded. But I get to play with them a lot. And I can caricaturize, even though they're not real people, I can caricaturize their personalities from the comics and make them funny. And of course, I'm the sad comic creator who can't get his book out on time and (laughs) uh, and can only dream of dating his main female character. And yes, my character, John, is dating Etheria in the comic strip, (laughs) which is sad and he totally knows it. So it's a lot of fun. Are they going to come out in print form? Are you going to put them out in a book or something? I think I might. It's a weekly strip right now. (laughs) Right now, we're doing a civil war. We're taking... (laughs) We're taking uh, liberties from the Marvel Civil War movie, and it, there's a civil war between myself, the writer, and Jamar Bulda, the artist, who's represented as a character named Bakwang. Um, I don't even know what that means. He came up with the name, but we have fun with it. And basically, the artist has gone rogue, refuses to draw what I ask him to draw, and we're coming to the point where we're going to have to come to blows over it. <laughs> <laughs> so your writing is very creative. I really like it. Very original. I don't see this stuff going on anywhere else. And that's what makes it a lot of fun to read, something different to read. As somebody who's read comics for decades, when I find something different, I love that. I just dive into it. And so that's why I like your stuff so much. I think it's great stuff. And I do encourage people to get in. And if anything else, go to ironagecomics.com and check out all your stuff that's available. And if people want to get paper copies of Jaded, how do they do that? Do they go through the website? Do they contact uh, you? It, how do they do it? Uh, if they want paper copies, right now the only paper copies available are in the Northeast, in comic shops in New York, just my local comic shops where I do my testing. So the only other way to get paper copies, unfortunately, at this time is to wait till the national release. And I'll be announcing that on the website. I'll be announcing mm-hmm. that on Facebook, which is mm-hmm. Iron Age Productions on Facebook, or you can go just look up Jaded on Facebook. You'll find it there as well. But you can download the digital versions from my website or drive through comics.com. And very soon, Comixology. And as soon as that's available on Comixology, I'll be letting everyone know. Well, they're all highly recommended. Great stuff. You're funny when you want to be. It's deadly serious when you want to be. You can handle all the different perspectives on it. And not many writers and creators can handle that. A lot of people work within a very narrow band. But to see somebody who can do this, this wide open range of things, to do comedy as well as serious stuff is really great to find. So I think, John, you're doing a great job. I appreciate that, Wayne. That means a lot. Well, let me give you one last sentence. I'm going to quote you in the, in the back of issue three. You have a little calm, and there's a little sentence you say at the very end that I I loved it when I read it. We don't care what books you're reading as long as they're comic books. That's right. A man after my own heart. <laughs> awesome. So anyway, that's a, it's a great way to think. Again, rnhcomics.com, Jaded, and these other great books. You'll find out all about them on the website and go to Facebook. And, you know, John, much success. I hope that this just takes off for you and we get to see all these great stories you have in mind come to fruition. I'd love to read them. I hope so, Wayne. Thanks so much for interviewing me, and I wish you luck as well on your podcast. People need dramatic examples to shake them out of apathy, and I can't do that as Bruce Wayne. As a man, from flesh and blood, I can be ignored, I can be destroyed, but as a symbol. Get the latest from the comics universe. News, 
interviews, previews, and reviews. Listen to the weekly Wayne's Comics Podcast so you can keep reading your comics. That's it for this week. Be back next time. We'll have another great interview with another terrific comics creator. But until then, keep reading your comics.